Just ahead on Black Issues Forum, President Biden's speech at Morehouse, more symbolism or impact. The King family takes a pass on celebrating the holiday and the U.S. Mint releases the Maya Angelou coin. We'll talk about it all. Stay with us. Welcome to Black Issues Forum. I'm Deborah Holt Noel. Earlier this week, a big speech about voting rights by President Biden, surrounded by all the black cultural historical symbolism he could muster. Situated on the grounds of Morehouse College, black students propped up in the background in the cradle of civil rights, as he named it, bringing strong words in defense of proposed voting rights legislation. Today, we call on Congress to get done what history will judge. Pass the Freedom to Vote Act. Pass it now. It will get dark money out of politics. Create fair district maps and ending partisan gerrymandering. Look, it's also time to pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. I've been having these quiet conversations with members of Congress for the last two months. I'm tired of being quiet. You might say a lot of folks are tired. Some chose not to show up for the speech. The story continues. After Biden went down to Georgia, he headed to Capitol Hill to meet with Senate Democrats on the issue and strategize on filibuster rules. But before he even arrived, Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona made a speech on the Senate floor to reemphasize her unchanged position on touching the filibuster. Our country's divisions have now fueled efforts in several states that will make it more difficult for Americans to vote and undermine faith that all Americans should have in our elections and our democracy. These state laws have no place in a nation whose government is formed by free, fair, and open elections. The state laws we seek to address are symptoms of a larger, more deeply rooted problem facing our democracy. The divisions themselves, which have hardened in recent years and have combined with rampant disinformation to push too many Americans away from our basic constitutional values. I share the concerns of civil rights advocates and others I've heard from in recent months about these state laws. I strongly support those efforts to contest these laws in court and to invest significant resources into these states to better organize and stop efforts to restrict access at the ballot box. And I strongly support and will continue to vote for legislative responses to address these state laws, including the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act that the Senate is currently considering. And while I continue to support these bills, I will not support separate actions that worsen the underlying disease of division infecting our country. Let's get our panel's take on all of this. I want to welcome attorney Jessica Holmes, political analyst Steve Rao, and Professor Lamicia Whittington of Advanced Carolina. Let me open up with you, Steve. What do you hear Senator Sinema saying? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I, I am disappointed in um, her position of just sticking to her ground and not uh, changing the filibuster rules. 
you know, I think living in heaven, the filibuster uh, for those who are, are in favor of it are to encourage compromise and negotiation so we can have bipartisan legislation. But that simply isn't being done. She says that we're divided. And I think it's now a time for the Senate to join our president and unite around voting rights. And, you know, filibuster comes from the word freebooter, which is actually reminds us of pirates obstructing ships. And in this case, I think we're obstructing the legislative process. Uh, I would challenge Senator Sinema that the filibuster under Senator McConnell, when he was the majority of the Senate, was used 92 times, much of it when Obama was president, to block legislation. It was also used during the 1900, late, late 1960s and 1900s when, uh, you know, they were b blocking civil rights legislation. So I think that um, the fact of the matter is now is the time for us to change the rules or amend the filibuster process so that we don't have to get a supermajority every time uh, we have a crisis in America. And I'll end with this. You know, the, the fact is that we have the voting rights that we're fighting for with early voting, mail-in voting, uh, those kinds of, um, you know, efforts, partisan gerrymandering. But the other fact that we don't talk a lot about in the media is the, the effort to uh, hurt American democracy by affecting the outcomes of elections. So as Senator Sinema is speaking on the floor of the Senate or wherever she's speaking, she needs to acknowledge that states like Georgia, Arizona, are changing the laws, moving powers away from the Secretary of State, for example, as Aaron to the Republican Attorney General, so they can affect the outcomes of the elections, so I, that they they can change the electoral college results. So, right. for, so we need we can't leave it to the court, Senator. We need we need federal reform, and you need to step up as a senator and join, just like Lyndon Johnson back then when they passed the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. President Johnson had to get members of his own party. Southern Democrats to join with them. Okay, so, let's, anyway. let, let me get Jessica in here on this. What did you hear Kristen Sinema saying? Um, well, I'll start with agreeing with her on one point, um, that there is a disease of division in this country. That said, when we start talking about 19 states and counting, enacting laws that would inhibit voting rights. Um, see, we like to think of, you know, voting rights as being, or you know, trying to get in the way of voting rights is being un-American. But when you look at our country's history, voter suppression is about as American as apple pie, about as American as hot dogs at baseball games. At one point in this country, voting rights didn't even apply to us as black people. At one point, voting rights didn't apply to us as women. The reality is that we have to protect voting rights in this country, and the reality is that we always have had to do that. One of my favorite things from the Biden speech was this quote, the fundamental right to vote is the right from which all other rights flow. And that is our reality. And I agree with President Biden and I agree with the Democratic position in that we need to protect voting rights by any means necessary. And so while I agree with her on that one point, that there is the disease in terms of all of us coming together, no, we're not going to get unity at this point. The Republicans have shown that. So at this point, whether it's breaking the filibuster or whatever needs to be done in Congress, at this point, it's time to put up or shut up. Well, L.A., I want to get your feedback, too, because what I heard from Senator Sinema was a disinterest in um, making sure that there is federal policy with regard to voting rights and yet she's saying that she 
wants to attack the disease of division. But my question becomes, what are you doing, Senator Sinema, to sow a cord, to build bridges? What did you hear in what she said? That's right. So I heard, um, as you stated already, Deb, uh, two different two different elements here, right, that are contrasting an oxymoron. One, Sinema uh, wants to fight for voting rights, as, as she stated, and fight for the healing of our nation, but in contrast, won't do what it takes and what it requires in order to accomplish such a feat. So we have to ask ourselves, what does she mean in terms of disease? If the filibuster wasn't a disease uh, when it was used just a couple months ago last year uh, in order to raise the debt ceiling, if the filibuster wasn't a disease then, then is it the filibuster that's the disease or the action and the change in order to rectify Voting Rights Act? Is that the, the disease? Is it the disease to protect Black and Brown Americans? Because that is the debt ceiling at this point that needs to be raised as the capital of our voices in ensuring that our vote has the full power. That's what's at risk. And so what I really have to ask is what does she mean by the disease? Is it the filibuster or is it the actual passing of the Voting Rights Act, which will allow for fair voting for all Americans? Absolutely. And now Chuck Schumer is vowing to bring the voting rights issue to the House floor for an open debate once and for all. Looks like this is a lost cause. What effect can a debate have at this point, Steve? Uh, yeah, the, 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 the just continued debate on how we get legislation passed, correct, Deb? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, it looks like... I mean, they're, they're bringing this to the floor... In a way, I, I think that maybe what they're doing is just showing, hey, we're, we're going to do what we said we would, which is bring it to the floor. We know that it doesn't stand a chance in... Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's always good to debate so the American people can hear, uh, you know, the, the reasons for having uh, the voter rights legislation, both the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Act. What I would like to see is... If we know that this bill will not pass based on what Senator Sinema has just said and Senator Manchin is agreeing with her, then I think the only other option is to convince Republicans and other Democrats uh, to get to that 60-vote majority where they can pass something. And that might be going back to the table and saying, OK, you know, Senator McConnell has said he agrees with reforming the Electoral Act of 1867. Senator Manchin has agreed on certain provisions of voter ID. If we could come to some kind of agreement, then we could get something on the table that the American people deserve, which is voting rights for us, uh, you know, voter registration, mail-in voting, ending partisan gerrymandering. But it's important to have federal laws that prevent these states that are just increasing every day on changing our laws for disenfranchising voters, but also affecting the outcomes of elections. So we're headed down a scenario in four years, if this doesn't change, if Donald Trump does run for president, and let's say there's a two and a half or one percent variance in some of these swing states, the states could affect, they could affect the outcome of the election. And politicians should not be affecting our democracy. It should be the will of the people, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And so, that is the threat to democracy. Yes, threat to that democracy. That is one of the major threats to democracy. Steve, thank you. Here we are on the cusp of all states celebrating for the 22nd year the birthday of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a man we remember for his leadership in shepherding the black community and really all of America through the end of racial segregation and into its promise of equal representation, equal opportunity, and equal treatment. Today, the journey continues, but the MLK Day of Service celebration 
will not be on the agenda for the King family by their own choice. Dr. Bernice King explains. So let me be clear from the outset that we will be commemorating the King holiday and we are encouraging all of you to continue your commemorations as well. However, if voting rights is still hanging in the balance by the King holiday on January 17th, 2022, then we, meaning all of us, must collectively use our various commemorations and our platforms on that particular day to do what Dr. King would do. My father would speak and act in a way to ensure that this nation lives up to its promise of democracy by putting pressure on our United States Senate to bypass the filibuster and instead of taking the King holiday off, they should make it a day on to pass the Voting Rights Act. LA, I wanna get your thoughts on this. Sure. Um, I think it is a prolific stand for the, uh, the, the King family to um, take a day that commemorates their father, the legacy, right, the honor, and even the pain the family suffered many years and through uh, current day to day and the loss of their father, who was an icon to us, but again, uh, their patriarch. And ushering in a responsibility for all of us to say, we are not collectively free when it comes to democracy and the vision for all. Our voting rights have been under attack. As Attorney Holmes already stated, 19 states already passed anti-voter laws, voter suppression. That was in response to, in 2020, the most Americans voting uh, in history. And that response was to literally suppress our vote. It is punishment. And so in this response, it is powerful. And we also have to note that many of our people in Black communities, we have to talk about the classism. Many of us will still be working on Dr. King's Day. Many of us are not off. There are folks who will still be driving buses on Dr. King's Day. There are so many people who are low-wage workers, which is what Dr. King fought for. His Poor People campaign, which was in coordination with the Poor People's Corporation, was a march it, it, leading up to his assassination that was for sanitation workers, for the poor people of America. This is what we have to talk about, that that was also in addition to his vision. So this call to action for our senators to truly honor Dr. King's memory, to truly honor the Voting Rights Act, which was supposed to be the extension to to actually quell uh, rebellion and uprising. That's why the Voting Rights Act was passed in the wake of his assassination. So this is a call to action for us to really powerfully say, we see you in the Senate, this is your responsibility, and let's amplify this day in his honor to say this is exactly what he fought for prior to his assassination, the people. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that reminder because if we take a look at, just like you said, why this act was uh, necessary in the first place, all of the intimidation, that's what it was for. And here we have now um, um, continuing to standing, uh, stand on the grounds that, that if the section of the Voting Rights Act was reenacted, uh, then voting rights would be protected. But, but that section that we continue to talk about is about Preclearance and Jessica, I want to ask you: Will that preclearance clause, you think, have to remain forever? Um, is there no hope that democracy will actually be free, open, and clear for everybody, unless we have, you know, someone watchdogging the federal government, watchdogging these states? 
Um, unfortunately, I believe that as long as there is voting rights in this country, as long as there are voting rights in this country, they're going to need to be protected. And our history has shown us that. Um, going back to President Biden's speech in Atlanta, where we all saw the photo op of him standing next to the memorial of Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King, I don't need words in Atlanta. I need work in D.C. I don't need him to stand next to his memorial. I need him to stand up for the values that Dr. King lived and died for. So as to Congress bringing you know, these acts to the floor for debate, to me, those are just more words. At this point, we need work. I heard that. Thank you, Jessica. We are talking uh, in many ways today about democracy, freedom, and rights. Some things are symbolic, and others are actions with impact and effect. This week, another symbol of inclusion, the Maya Angelou Quarter. It's the first coin designed and shipped out by the U.S. Mint in the American Women Quarters Program. Over 11,000 names were submitted for consideration, and this year, five coins will be released. The other women to be honored are Dr. Sally Ride, Wilma Mankiller, Nina Otero Warren, and Anna Mae Wong. Uh, Steve, this was announced uh, as a great honor, but some have balked at the idea of black women being on the money and also about the fact that these women appear on the back of the coin, the tail. What's your take? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I that did uh, strike me when I when I heard the news about being on the tail. I would, I, but you know, I would be fine with it being on the the front of the coin. But I I really have always been a big fan and inspired by Maya Angelou, and I think there's it's so appropriate to have uh, black women. There are other black women that would uh, would be uh, suitable for the honor, worthy of the honor. But uh, this was a woman who inspired us through her words. Uh, her favorite poem of mine was uh, Rise, where she said, you know, I am the dream, I am the hope of the slave, and, you know, gave the, the black American such self-esteem and hope, which, you know, we actually need today uh, through all the division that we're dealing with, you know, and we, we just spoke about Dr. King, and I think it's very important for us to remember that these great leaders, uh, how they lived, um, you know, how they lived lives of action, uh, getting out of their comfort zones uh, at a time when what they were saying or doing wasn't popular. And even Gandhi, who inspired Dr. King, my great-grandfather fraught in the freedom movement um, in India, uh, we often forget that these leaders did things to change our society uh, when they weren't popular. And so for that, they're American heroes. And I think it's perfectly fair and legitimate and right and I, I look forward to getting that coin and seeing Maya Angelou on the coin, even though it's on the tails, uh, well, on the coin. It is a beautiful rendering. I mean, I've seen uh, just pictures of the coin, and I find it striking. Um, Jessica, what do you think about this criticism and about the coin itself? Um, at, at this point in our country, I'll take progress when we can get it. Um, I, too, am a fan of Maya Angelou, who is an, uh, a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Um, with Founders Day approaching, I thought it was a very appropriate time to mention that. And so, and of you know, course, I'll Delta's Founders Day was just yesterday. <laughs> See how you do? <laughs> yes, 
shout out to my, my, my sisters, my sorors and Delta Sigma Theta for your Founders Day as well. But, you know, I'll, I'll take progress where we can get it. And I can tell you that as a black woman, um, seeing her face on that coin, whether it's at the head or the tail, um, makes me no difference. Um, I'm very happy to see this progress in this country where you have a woman of color, a woman that I can relate to. On, on our coin, and um, as uh, Councilman Rao mentioned, I too am already signed up on the U.S. Mint website to receive that coin as well. L.A., what do you think about the criticism about the honor of uh, Maya Angelou and other women being on this coin? Sure. So a part of um, our movement for the last few generations has been to dismantle Confederate statues, symbolisms of uh, war and terror and loss of years past. This is an opportunity for us to say what would replace uh, such symbolism to honor our own people, to honor our own elders. Where are opportunities where we can pass down the tradition of poet Maya Angelou? What is a tradition that we could pass down our people? What are our images? And so while we don't have to wait for the U.S. Mint, while we don't have to wait for Congress to identify, we can identify ourselves. This is still a moment to celebrate this on a national platform, on a national landscape. Poet Maya Angelou was a part, she was a coordinator for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And with Dr. King, she helped him to actually coordinate the Poor People's Campaign. What I mentioned before that led to the March for Poor People in Washington, what led to the Voting Rights Act in the wake of his assassination, she helped to plan that campaign. So when we talk about a poet, we're also talking about a civil rights activist. We're talking about a Tony-nominated, Grammy Award-winning, Pulitzer Prize Award you know, nominee. We have to think about these are our elders, and that's where the respect starts first. So any dissonance from that, I don't have time to hear that. Well stated. And you know, it's a criticism out there, and it reminds me of the criticism that's coming from Black communities and, and from Democrats about a, a lot of things, including Biden's speech, uh, including uh, how he's doing to, to represent voting rights and to push for voting rights. As these messages come out, this, these criticisms uh, come out, how do you think that impacts voters in the end? Do you think it bodes well um, for, the, for the upcoming election to have a message out there that is not supportive of this current president, of the Democratic uh, administration? How, how do you think that that bodes or helps, if at all? Steve? Well, I think it does not help us as we go into future elections as Americans that uh, we had a president who is now calling on us to come together and fight for democracy over autocracy, that it's time for us to um, heal the wounds of the nation, and that this is not a partisan issue. Uh, it's one that Democrats and Republicans in the past, as President Biden said in his speech, President Nixon, President George H.W. Uh, Bush, President George W. Bush, other Republican presidents have supported voter rights legislation. So I think that um, it's not a good message when we just say, well, we hear you, we're not going to support the president. I think the time is to, to do it now. Uh, and I keep going back to Lyndon Johnson, but that was a proud moment in American history when he led the efforts at a time when it wasn't popular to push through voting rights legislation and civil rights legislation. Where, we, where would we we'd even be farther back today if we didn't have him do that? So, I, I, you know, I think that's the answer, Deb, is that we just need to uh, make sure that we can put ourselves back in a position for hope for the American people, uh, that our democracy is one, it's a republic, it's an inspiration to millions and millions and millions of people around the world, 
and we can do something about that. We can keep it as a beacon of hope for all the United States of America. It's in our hands. Jessica, I want your feedback because, you know, uh, Steve has mentioned Lyndon Johnson. He Earlier he mentioned Gandhi. And these are characters with flaws, if you read the history. And yet they, they made decisions that, that helped improve democracy and improve things for, for all people. What are your thoughts about uh, the divisions right now and the messaging out there um, as, we, as we approach 2022 uh, or the next elections? Um, the disease of division is absolutely very real and it permeates in just about every aspect of our society. We're in a country where there are millions of people who still very much believe in the big lie. We're in a country where right now, I don't know about you all, but I was bracing myself on January 6th, holding my breath, I'm worried about what would happen at our Capitol, what might happen in other states. And so right now we're very much in a very broken place in our country, we're in a very broken place when it comes to Congress, when we as a country, when our elected leaders can't agree that the right to vote is so precious in this country that it needs to be protected at the state level, but certainly at the federal level so that there is some template, so to speak, for all these states who are working so diligently to keep people from the polls. Polls that open in just a few weeks. Here in North Carolina, as of right now, our filing will start at some point around February 24th. Very soon we will have people going to the polls and we don't know if they will be able to have mail-in ballots. Um, we don't know if we'll ever have election day as a federal holiday. There are still so many unknowns right now. So I, I would agree there certainly is a, this disease of division and that we are very much broken as a country and I'm not seeing a way out anytime soon. And going back to the concept of people just debating or Biden preaching words. Well, what it takes absolutely is people participating people just paying attention and participating. Jessica Holmes, I want to thank you, Steve Rao, and Lamisha Whittington. Really appreciate your thoughts for this conversation today. Thank you, Deb. I want to thank today's guests for joining us, and we invite you to engage with us on Twitter or Instagram using the hashtag Black Issues Forum. You can also find our full episodes on pbsnc.org slash blackissuesforum, or listen at any time on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. For Black Issues Forum, I'm Deborah Holt-Noel. Thanks for watching. Public Television is made possible through the financial contributions of viewers like you, who invite you to join them in supporting PBSNC.